My guest today is broadcaster Helen Zaltzman, who is one half of the sensation that is the Answer Me This podcast, which she presents alongside Ollie Mann. The devilishly simple question and answer podcast has drawn fans from around the globe and propelled Helen and Ollie into the stratosphere of celebrity in Luxembourg and the internet. Helen once said, For scant financial outlay, we could make a weekly show about whatever we liked, and people all over the world could listen for free. Plus, unlike live broadcasting, any claptrap and failed jokes could be ruthlessly expunged. Nice one, Helen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, That's why podcasts are great. <laughs> welcome to Desert Isolation Discs. Thank you so much. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. It's a pleasure to be here. One there of our snacks. <laughs> there's snacks. Uh, we've got My Little Pony mug. Everything yeah. is, is oh, yes. well sorted. And you've noticed, God, they've got dead evil eyes, haven't they? They have a bit. It's horrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Never even thought before. <laughs> we've catapulted you into the desert. Yeah. Uh, you've got to choose eight songs. Um, how did you approach it? Very seriously, because I've been preparing for this moment ever since I ever heard Desert Island Discs, because I think it's impossible not to think about it when you're listening to it. Hmm. So I'd, I'd had some years to contemplate what would sustain me in these conditions, but realistically, I live in London, I have few survival skills, <laughs> so I'd probably be dead in about half a day, so or three days well, after thirsting to death. So these tracks actually will probably fill up most of that time. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't get sick of them. <laughs> like may, maybe some of them, just knowing that that was the limit. I think knowing that you could still listen to other things, even if you've chosen eight for a particular playlist, you're like, no, that's fine. But once you really are stranded with just those, that's when the hatred could kick in. <laughs> and for people who aren't familiar with the podcast, mm. shame on them, but what is Answer Me This? Answer Me This uh, is where we answer listeners' questions on uh, myriad topics whatever they send in, so personal problems or factual things, things about history or where an expression came from or a moral dilemma. Mm. Why do you think it has um, caught on? Mm. Uh, Well, it's amazing, obviously. Um, A lot of it was timing because when we entered uh, podcasting, there weren't nearly as many people doing it. So even though it felt at the time like an overwhelming number of other podcasts existed it was easier to make oneself visible Hmm. and i think also the interaction people want to hear whether they've got a question in or they don't know what's going to come up because it's a a strange brew or they want to hear if a friend's question has got in and then they come back week after week to hear if that person's been back in touch Hmm. since that question came in i don't know i haven't asked someone who's a fan of it why they think it's successful because that would seem a bit arrogant (laughs) but i can't judge no absolutely and so what's the first piece of music you got for us today the first piece of music is Another Night In by Tindersticks, um, because I was a teenager at peak Britpop, and I just did not get it at all. I was I just, I was kind of an outsider anyway at school, but I was just like, um, I don't really understand why this music is popular, what's what's in it. I mean, not, not good things like Pulp, but, but a lot of things like Blur. Mm. I remember listening to the album Park Life, just thinking... Uh, well, why does this exist? And Oasis, I mean, don't even, don't even get me started. And then, um, and so I just felt a bit adrift in the, in the mid nineties. And then I heard, uh, Tindersticks and I was, uh, immediately I was like, oh yeah, no, this is it. And they're from Nottingham. They are, they are. It's, and, uh, that only adds to the, uh, the excellence of this choice. Yeah. Do they have a statue there for them? Um, they have. It's in the shape of a guy pulling back a bow and arrow. Um, but there's some other guy that keeps sort of claiming it's about him. It can never fall. It can never run dry. 
Tinder sticks there, Nottingham's finest. Um, <laughs> so I'm with my guest Helen Zaltzman. Helen, you mentioned that uh, I you was had a to child with, once. You mentioned that you were a child once. Yeah. Astonishingly, we've all been there. <laughs> and um, your your family has quite an interesting background, isn't it? Um, in South Africa. I, I guess so, yes. In, my, my childhood was very, very stable and not that interesting. I grew up in Tunbridge Wells. Um, but my father immigrated to Britain from South Africa and his father before him was an immigrant to South Africa from Lithuania because in the early part of the 20th century being a Jew in Eastern Europe was problematic. Mm. And um, he walked from... He went AWOL from the Lithuanian army and walked to Hamburg... I think, and then got on a ship and through indirect means ended up in South Africa. Mm. Um, and I think my dad just always wanted to leave. Uh, he, he was the only child and mm. his parents expected him to become a rabbi, even though he was pretty much an atheist. And I think he felt very restricted by that. And he was rebelling against them all the time in different ways. Like he didn't become a lawyer or a doctor. He went to medical school and then got kicked out because he didn't want to do it. So he just didn't go to any lectures. Mm. Um, and then after spending eight years at university doing degrees in maths and stats just because he found it easy so he could um, just do whatever else he wanted, get pissed all the time, <laughs> he he moved continents to Britain hmm. and then rebelled by marrying a non-Jew, my <laughs> mum. They threatened to kill themselves. Right. Um, and then rebelled by becoming a sculptor. Right. Uh, which is not a very stable career path, or at least not a very stable income-generating career path. Mm. It's not a big earner. Um, so that was my background, but it all seemed very normal to me. Mm. Um, what was interesting, though, musically, is that the house didn't really have any music in it because when my dad left South Africa, mm. in South Africa, he was, you know, was growing up in the 60s in South Africa, so you'd think, well, 20-year-old in 1960, you'd get all the rock and roll yes. era. It didn't really happen there, and records were very hard to come by, so he very carefully mm. accrued this record collection of rock and roll, and then when he left, his mother got rid of it without asking him. Oh and I think God. even now, that still smarts him, so we had pretty much a silent childhood. My elder brothers were a big influence, and um, so I'd want to listen to whatever my brother was listening to. And at the time, he was pretty big into Debbie Gibson and Bon Jovi. <laughs> and, um, and also, we used to um, tape the Top 40 only the good song, so I'd run into his room and ask if I had to take the next song. But no, no, it's fine. But take the next one because that's Hazel Dean. And um, so they would listen to good, the tapes in the weeks. Good advice. That, so that kind of thing. And then, um, and then through through my brother as well, I got into um, the blues as an early mm. teen and um, Bob Dylan as well. I remember my brother picked me up from school. And I'd always I'd always been not that keen on Bob Dylan before because I'd heard "Blowing in the Wind" and I was just found it aggravating. Um, and then I remember being in the car on the way home, and I'm like, oh, I get it. <laughs> from those annoying stoner revelations without having been stoned, I'd been at a modern United Nations conference. <laughs> so the opposite of staying. Quite. Yeah. Um, but the Bob Dylan track I've chosen for, for my desert experience is, I think, atypical of Bob Dylan because it's very simple. Not really any riddles in it, but in a way, its simplicity means that I'd probably spend the whole time just trying to crack what he meant by it mm. because it's not all like oh, it's repelled the, the meaning is more elusive the conductor he's weary he's still stuck on the line but if I can save you any time Come on, give it to 
was I'll Keep It With Mine by Bob Dylan. What's he on about there? What is he on about? What's he going to keep? <laughs> Someone else's crayons. Could be. Could be something a lot more fundamental. <laughs> so... To explain, I'd better explain the concept for those who haven't uh, heard answer me this. But Helen, you record it with your um, podcast partner uh, Ollie Mann, mm-hmm. and also your husband um, Martin, who yeah. is the sound man. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, I've actually got some listener questions okay. in, um, and one of them is from Victoria Thompson in London. She says, "Helen, answer me this: <laughs> Have you ever considered creating a dramatic love triangle scenario to increase the listenership?" That is <laughs> too gross. I can't. Um, I've been friends with Ollie since um, the year 2000 we met at university Mm. and there's just absolutely never been any danger of any kind of romantic interaction there (laughs) or even drunken sexual interactions (laughs) so I just don't think it could happen I I think physically I'd rebel against it as much as I would with a blood relative Yes. Uh, so mercifully not and uh, I think maybe, you know, if Ollie and Martin have flirted with each other in the past. It's, it's, it's been a lot of years now, so this, the spark has gone. Do people ever assume it when you say, oh, I do a podcast with my husband and, you know... Yeah, well, I don't mention him. that he's involved. Because <laughs> <laughs> his role well, is more peripheral. Um, and Martin is actually uh, recorded with a reverb, so he sounds like a ghost, isn't he? <laughs> well, you say ghosts. Other people would say God. Um the other people think he sounds like he's down a well. <laughs> That's the interpretation. But I feel like our, my relationship with Martin doesn't come into the podcast too much. Mm, I see. probably a good thing. Do you think that you're one of the most high-profile podcast um, marriages? When, when you got <laughs> married, you, met, you talked about it on the podcast, you got a lot of um, listeners emailing in, didn't you? Yeah, I, I think we had to talk about it because we took quite a long break from the podcast so that we could go on honeymoon. <laughs> uh, so I had to mention it. Yeah. Um, but I think generally other people's relationships anyway are, are hard to gauge from the outside. Like I've got very close friends and I don't know what they talk about in their relationships when they're alone. That's not a bad mm. thing. But you know how some people you guess how they interact yes. in private and other people you just think it's a total mystery. Yeah. But some things keeping them together. Um, um, I don't know why I've started talking about that. Anyway, no. I'm not sure that what is on the podcast is uh, that accurate a, a reflection of what goes on behind closed doors, which mm. is obviously miserable and terrible. <laughs> Since we've been talking about Martin, we ought to play one of his songs, I guess, uh, because he is also, amongst his many jobs, um, a singer and songwriter mm. and a musician. And usually I've tried to just refrain from having any opinion about his music in case I don't like it. Hmm. Um, but but this song, I think, has, has got a, a kick to it. And I think um, when I'm just dying in the desert alone, I'd like to be reminded of Martin. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's sort of damning with faint praise there. but uh, um... Well, I like it. But I don't think I'd want to be one of these people going, oh, my husband's amazing. <laughs> people. I see. that just automatically makes you hate them, even if you've not met them. Well, let's make up our minds, shall we? All right, we? yeah. Judge him. It's just my hand upon your chin That's all that it would be Don't ask me what to do With all these sand kickers around We dance our pretty jigs Our feet are clawing at the ground This isn't what you want Can I set fire to ashes 
find another grain of sand in my Billy Holiday eyelashes. The sound of the ladies there. Um, Can I just say that song's not about me? He never writes songs about me. That song's about an unromantic thing that was quite unpleasant for him. <laughs> but everyone assumes the songs are about me. Oh, It's rude. In fact, he wrote a song for a man he'd met on Twitter that he'd not even met in real life. He doesn't <laughs> write songs about me. Oh, dear. I know. I'm sure there's a hashtag for that of some description. Write me a song, Martin. <laughs> so you mentioned Martin's sort of versatile career in his mm. various projects, but um, you've got projects coming out of your ears as well you know <laughs> Portfolio career artists, you know how it is <laughs> yeah absolutely this day and age what do you sort of juggle your time between um oh. you've uh, got radio shows you've had documentaries on yeah. radio four and you appear regularly on um radio five on saturday yep. evenings That's um true. how do you find juggling those projects and which do you enjoy uh, well I, I i like to juggle um i think it suits my character maybe i'm just a dilettante i like the variety and also having frequent deadlines means I'd do stuff because otherwise I just mm. think I wouldn't get anything done if they said I'd oh, get this thing done six weeks hence yeah. it wouldn't happen but if it's two days hence it has to happen mm. when you're self-employed you're operating outside of a structure that confirms to you that what you're doing is fine mm. and sometimes you just need someone to go no you're doing the right thing just carry on yeah. or you're not doing the right thing here this would be better do this <laughs> there isn't that yeah. governing yourself is tedious at times mm. And you uh, put together a two-part Radio 4 documentary on podcasting, yeah. uh, which was excellent. Jeez. And you've got some great guests on there. Do you sort of feel like you're part of a podcasting community? Well, or? now I'm here with you, Alex, yes. <laughs> um, but it's quite a lonely pursuit. And my, my brother does a podcast, but we don't really mm. talk about it to each other. We don't listen to each other's podcasts. Oh, really? So it's, it feels like a bunch of individuals mm. doing stuff. But I think in America, they're the community is actually a bit more cemented mm. um, and there's a lot more crossover and it's been it's been very valuable making um, friends with some American podcasters so I also think they're a few years ahead in podcasting there than we are here because we don't mm. need podcasts that much Alex obviously <laughs> we need this one obviously. and my one yeah. but we also have mm. a lot of good radio in this country yes. and in America they don't have as much good radio so they, mm. they seek their kicks elsewhere mm. so what's the next piece of music you've got? I'm quite an antisocial person because I do spend a lot of time by myself in my house doing doing self-employed jobs and so I think I'd be okay with the solitude aspect of the desert mm. uh, more than the dying in it and and I, I wonder whether it's a family trait because my dad's a sculptor so he's essentially been a hermit for mm. the last 40 years um, so <laughs> I've chosen the song Leave Me Be by the Zombies because it seems appropriate <laughs> and because I like it obviously yeah. so there's something very cool and detached about the zombies for 60s pop and I quite I quite like that combined with the knee trembler aspect of lyrics of pop songs of the time excellent let's get our knees trembling <laughs> it's not like I thought it would be love just get up in that party my world's dropped from under me Zombies 
I'm here with my guest, Helen Zaltzman. And I have another listener question for you, Did Helen. He? Uh, this one's from Sarah Arend in London. And she asks, um, I've always wondered how long it takes to select the questions and record an episode of the mm. podcast. How do you approach it? Well, um, it, takes, it takes a few hours to go through the questions and choose the ones we want. And then we'll spend, I don't know, an hour or two doing research and then an hour and a half recording. And then I'll spend approximately ten hours editing it twice and Ollie will spend about three hours listening to it and paper editing it in between my two edits. And then there's uploading and doing supporting content on the website for another few hours. So Mm. quite a lot of time. (laughs) Absolutely. And do you feel that pressure to be funny? Because it is very funny. Um... Well, I've felt that pressure since becoming aware of my family basically because it felt like humor was a currency in my family and when i was i was the youngest because i was a mistake so i was <laughs> five and a half and seven and a half years younger than my brothers mm. and um they're very funny and my dad's very funny mm. my mum doesn't need to be funny because she can communicate like a normal human being without right. blocking her emotions with with wit um not saying she's not funny it's just not her her main means yeah. of uh, bonding with a person mm. um and so we'd be having dinner and my brothers would be telling funny stories about things that, that happened at school or something. I'd be mm. like, I've got nothing. <laughs> so it felt like I had to really work on my game. Yes. And then also, I didn't get bullied at school, but I was a very natural candidate because I was hideous and um, I was also a year ahead. Right. Then so, yet, I think it was just having having a sharp tongue that <laughs> kept it at bay. Get you out. And um, what's your parents' approach to you and your brother's careers? You know, they, they presumably turn on the radio one evening, hear you, and the next morning, yeah. Andy. So yeah, I, think they, I think they do like that. They like it when their friends say, oh, I, I switched on the radio, and there they were. Um, my parents can't really criticise our unconventional career paths because my dad's a sculptor. And can you tell me a little bit more about the um, community within and some of this listeners in terms mm. of... Uh, you've obviously got a number of uh, people who email in a lot, don't they? Yeah. And, and ring in on the uh, yeah. line they've it's got. A, and they've even sent you bookmarks of your own face on in the past. You know? That'd be sweet, the listener. Yeah. Someone sent us some fine leather goods the other day that she'd handmade. Because oh, wow. she'd been listening to the podcast while she was making her fine handmade leather goods mm. for trade shows. It's a very small proportion of listeners that get in touch with us. It's, mm. it's a fraction of a percent. So I don't know if it's a representative sample because it's going to be the ones that are the most impassioned and... Um, the most gobby because I, d- I don't tend to interact with shows and have a morbid fear of audience participation actually at live shows <laughs> horrified by it and I remember one one guy from Dorset started going out with a woman from South London yeah. that they I think he'd met her on our Facebook wall when he wow. was arguing with a 12 year old uh, okay yeah but it didn't, but it didn't she last. wasn't the 12 year old she was not she was she was an adult woman right um, but unfortunately it didn't last which from his emails which were very weirdly spaced <laughs> I thought was inevitable Right, I'm going to stay away okay. from that. Right. What wasn't it a song? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> songs. Right. Uh, well, um, I've chosen "Love Me or Leave Me" by Nina Simone because it's a depressing thought that no matter how long I live, I'll never be as good at anything as Nina Simone was. <laughs> Nina Simone. <laughs> it's a fantastic choice. Say love me, leave me, let me be lonely You won't believe me, but I love you only I'd rather be lonely than happy with somebody else You might find the night time the right time for kissing Night time is my time for just reminiscing Regretting instead of forgetting with somebody else 
There'll be no one unless that someone is you I intend to be independently blue I want your love, don't want to borrow Have it today to give back tomorrow Your love is my love, there's no love for nobody else Nina Simone. We've got another listener question for you, Helen. In fact, this is from uh, Sarah and Rob in Manchester. Hello, Sarah and Rob. Um, first of all, you mentioned your brother there. Mm. Uh, she asks, do you like cricket as much as him? No. Firstly, because no one in the world does. And secondly, because I'm really sports ambivalent, which I think was my version of childhood rebellion, because all my family likes sport. No one likes it as much as Andy, but again, that's because no one likes it as much as Andy in the entire world. But they were all into rugby and Grand Prix and athletics and cricket. My abiding memory of school summer holidays is Andy sitting on the coffee table in the living room with the curtain shut so that the sun didn't hit the TV <laughs> in his dressing gown until about 4pm, eating a massive bowl of cereal, about four different cereals combined. And then by the end of the day, it just set hard with this concrete <laughs> in the bowl. Uh, so no, I'm, I'm at best ambivalent, but I actually hate a lot of sports as well and the emotional attachment that people had to them it's the good thing about my family they weren't emotionally attached to it I don't think they really cared whether a team they supported won the game as long as it was a good game I see well that's definitive and mm-hmm. um, no. Rob, <laughs> um, Rob Renshaw also asked Helen answer me this mm-hmm. should I get a tattoo uh, if you have to ask me to make the decision then no He's a big Coventry City fan, so I'm sure you'll approve right. of getting like the badge on, on his face. <laughs> um, I, I, I've got rules for getting a tattoo, Rob. I don't have a tattoo. Mm. Um, do you have a tattoo? No. My rules are: firstly, draw it on yourself for six months, just to see if you're happy with it, because the six months will is a relatively short amount of time, proportionate to the amount of time you'll have to live with a permanent tattoo. Mm. Secondly, don't get it anywhere that would show if you were dressed as a monk. Very good. Yeah. It's great to see the answering of questions right off the top of your head there, not using Wikipedia, as is well, widely alleged. <laughs> well, it's a research tool, Wikipedia, but something like tattoos, you can't really turn to Wikipedia for decision-making. Not really. No, but I have thought that we've addressed this question quite a lot with our listeners. <laughs> and uh, some there are some uh, tattoos that people have got in praise of podcasts. We're not aware of any answer me this ones, but I've seen the Keith and the Girl fan tattoos, and oh, my yes. goodness... They're quite something, aren't they? They are. They look painful. <laughs> Absolutely. Those are f- flesh brands. Don't get your f- flesh branded, Rob. <laughs> it takes two months to heal and it smells of burning you. Um, what's your next song? Oh, my next song is... Let's go for um, Tunnels by Arcade Fire because uh, it's quite uplifting. I think maybe, uh, maybe my preference would be for quite miserable songs in the desert as it is in life, but sometimes you just need something to... To pluck yourself up by your bootstraps and uh, be a bit more triumphant. I think this song would help me to do that, but it is also about a post apocalyptic landscape, which I think I would feel like I was in if I was in a desert. And it was also supposed to be our uh, wedding walk on music, but instead we got married during a thunderstorm, so there was no music. <laughs> it was just noise of uh, weather.
Arcade Fire and we were just chatting there about uh, your wedding. And I believe yeah. Peppa Pig was a celebrity guest <laughs> at the wedding. <laughs> well, Peppa and I, we go back a long way and uh, we're a member of the, uh, the same private members club. <laughs> You'll roll around in the mud to celebrate afterwards. Oh, absolutely, so. yeah. yeah. That's what people do at weddings, traditional. <laughs> and you were you were saying there that you uh, um, had to encounter the the heavy rain and uh, yeah. some danger with a craft fair. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So I thought it wasn't possible to get married outside in Britain. Mm. Uh, I thought it wasn't legal, but you can as long as there is a roof over your head. And what happened was we'd, we'd hired this place uh, called Buell Water. It's a reservoir near my parents. Mm. We'd hired a room there. The venue went bankrupt a month before we got married, which. <laughs> Was that stressful? It was stressful. <laughs> so this poor woman who, who'd obviously come in to pick up the pieces after this firm had just disappeared. Mm. She's like, I know that there are three weddings booked in and you're the only person I know <laughs> with the contact. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll help you, but help me. And she's like, oh and they booked goodness. a craft fair into the room oh where we were supposed God. to get married. But they also had a very small section of outside license to get married. Like the licensing laws in Britain are really weird. Yeah. I like, couldn't get married in a swing boat that was two metres away from that, but you could get married under this metal gazebo. <laughs> <laughs> so then there's this lightning storm playing ahead. And I'm just standing on this puny metal structure in, in otherwise quite a wide open space and just thinking, well, if we make it through, then <laughs> that's going to seem quite symbolic. Yeah, romantic in a way. Yeah, it was certainly not pun not intended very striking because mm. we did make it out alive but it did feel a bit like it'd been really fine weather that spring it hadn't it hadn't rained for weeks it'd been really warm and sunny and then as soon as we rocked up to the venue <laughs> my big raindrops started to fall and i was like oh god what does this mean and then yeah. of course it cleared up again as soon as we left as well <laughs> just just very specific uh, divine intervention attempts perhaps absolutely we all made it out alive as far as i know which is all that we can hope for well i think we can hope day. for more <laughs> But I think that is at least the average we can hope for. And that's all you can hope for. <laughs> <laughs> and so the yeah. podcast remains a loop. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the average of what we can hope for. <laughs> um, so what's the next piece of music you've got for us? Okay. Um, the next piece of music is by an American singer called uh, Mark Mulcahy, who um, I, I he's, he's really amazing live because he's... He invests the songs with a lot of mischief or a lot of a lot of characterisation that doesn't necessarily come across on the record. And I found this out because I really wanted to see him live and he was playing in London about two days before my finals started mm. in Oxford and I was like, shit, I can't I can't go anywhere because I've got to revise for finals and I was like, ah oh, no, I'm gonna go. Uh-huh. I'm really glad I did because it was just the most amazing gig I'd ever been to. He's also got an extraordinary frizzy mullet and a massive mouth uh-huh. which <laughs> added to the experience. But very, very beautiful voice. And I think I'd find this song somewhat comforting, particularly if I was thirsting to death in a desert because um I'd be thinking about tea the whole time. <laughs> and uh, this song is called Cup of Tea and Your Insights. She's so easy to see It's so easy to be Just like you Said that you were And I can't hold on to her With just my appetite But I get so hungry For another chance And it's so easy to be Just like you Said that you were. I'm back here in the studio with my guest Helen Zaltzman. You are. 
you obviously do the fantastic smash hit podcast Answer Me This. Obviously I do. And uh, recently you started doing the Sound Women podcast. What's the concept behind that? Well, Sound Women is a lobby group that was started a couple of years ago um, in, in reaction to the fact that the radio industry in Britain is very sexist. They've done research since that has shown that fewer than one in five radio presenters is female. Mm. And um, they found a lot of people working behind the scenes leave around the age of 35 because mm. they're sort of sick of not being able to get anywhere. So there are powerful women in radio, but mm. I think it's just the ones that manage to remain do really well because they've, they've stuck it out mm. so hard. Um, and a lot of the reason why there aren't women employed in radio is based on a piece of research that no one seems to have actually read or seen or can attribute to a definite source, but they think it's from about the 70s, mm. saying that people don't like listening to women, including women. And yeah. it seems like an odd thing to base so many decisions upon this quite arbitrary yeah. thing. So anyway, um, I got involved with the movement uh, because I wasn't wasn't really faced with sexism until I started working the audio world and in fact only about one in ten podcasters is female oddly but there are no barriers to entry there so maybe women just don't want to hear themselves talk as a hobby um, and so I make this podcast where I talk to women in radio mm. on air and off and you've interviewed some of the biggest names in... yeah well this it's a great excuse because I, I can just say to Lauren Laverne or Jane Garvey people I really admire going I'm doing this podcast can I come and interview it's just an excuse to meet them yeah <laughs> Well, and uh, yeah. and Desert Isolation Disc the same. Hey, good one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what's the, your final choice for today? My final choice, just to leave this on a real uh, punching the air with joy note, Alex, is uh, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by Starship. Um, I don't think I've, I've realised the full potential of this song until um, it was a couple of days before my brother's wedding and I was driving up to Lincoln where he was getting married um, in the dark in the car and one of his friends had made him a compilation tape of power ballads <laughs> and, and um, it was quite emotionally loaded because he and his wife got married because her mother had been given six months to live so they would have got mm. married anyway at some point but yeah. that, that really uh, it made them get it done in about three months yeah. and um, so it felt like the whole the whole uh, the whole time around their marriage was all quite em- emotionally heightened Yeah. so um so the Starship track is invested with great joy. And also my husband feels quite teary <laughs> when, <laughs> when, uh, when we listen to Starship. <laughs> Which is not too often because I don't want him to feel emotionally undermined. Well, let's get punch in the air. Oh, then, yeah. Listen. I'm so glad I found you. I'm not going to lose you. Whatever it takes, I will stay here with you. Take it to the good times. See it through the bad Whatever it takes is what I'm gonna do Let them say we're crazy What do they know? Put your hands around me, baby Don't ever let go Let the world around us Just fall apart Baby, we can make it If we're heart to Punching the air in the studio. Naturally. 
Got all uh, the big frizzy perms on. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Helen, those were your desert isolation discs. Yeah. If you had to pick just one of them mm. uh, to take to the desert, what would it be? Um, I think I would go for um, A Cup of Tea and Your Insights by Mark Markey because it's the longest, so it would be better <laughs> value. Um, I hope my husband's not offended, but he should know that, you know, I can, I can play his songs on brain radio whenever I like. Absolutely. And uh, we're very generous here on Desert Isolation Discs. We uh, give you the Tiger Who Came to Tea and <laughs> also the Complete Red Dwarf box set. Oh, that's very generous because on, on the programme Desert Island Discs, I don't know if you've heard of it. Oh, yeah. And they give you the Bible and Shakespeare. Yeah, I this don't is... really want them. No. Judith Kerr, right. however. Yeah, oh, yeah. Strong choice. Um, so, and the, you, we allow you one extra luxury okay. item. What would you like? Okay, luxury item... Mm, I'd like a lot of um, cotton print fabric and some scissors and needles and thread so that I could uh, do patchwork. Very industrious. Well, there sort of. <laughs> it would pass the time and I'd be making my own shroud, effectively, <laughs> as I waited to die. Also, I don't particularly like sand, so I think I'd be quite cross at the desert. <laughs> and it'd be nice to make myself a, an anti-sand protector. <laughs> there yours. Um, so people can listen to your work on... Answer me this podcast.com. You've been practicing, Alex. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's been a pleasure to host you as my guest on Desert Isolation Disc. It's Helen. been a pleasure to be deserted by you, Alex. <laughs> um, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>